Hello, it's Gabe, and I'm still enjoying the hell out of Starfield. I have a lot of time into it. I I put so much time and explored more of the game, and well, everybody's hating the game right now. Everybody's giving it bad reviews. And you wanna what, man? I, I just gotta fucking say it. But it's my game of the year. I'm sorry I didn't love live uh fucking jump into the fucking hype train that the game had going for it. But I, I love it, man. And yeah, it's my game of the year. So yeah, that's how I want to start this off. But yeah, um, what the fuck's going on over at Warner Brothers? You know that that's another thing too. I had no clue that they released a treaser for Aquaman too. I mean, and a lot of people have been waiting for it. But with these just bad bombs that they've been having lately, like the Flash, Blue Beetle, Shazam 2, fucking Black Adam. Dude, it's been bad. Ever since James Gunn said, oh yeah, this this Snyderverse shit, it's fucking done with. I'm rebooting the whole thing. Well, nobody's going to want to fucking see the shit. Nobody cares about these remaining films of the Snyderverse. James Gunn fucking ruined everything, but, oh well. But yeah, they, they released a teaser, and then the movie's coming out in three months. Holy shit, that's fast. Like, yeah, the movie's been waiting to be released. It's been done for, like, a long time now, but to release the trailer, and then, oh yeah, three months. Like, holy shit, that's fast. But, but hey, we'll see. Am I going to watch it? Yeah. I hope Amber Heard's not in it, but whatever. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure she's still going to be in it. She's not in the trailers, but I'm sure she's going to be in it still. And and then also with the fucking writer's strike. The whole writer's strike is getting fucking crazy. So a while back, um, I think it was like Disney and Netflix were like, okay, you want to know what, man? We'll, we'll, we'll work out something with you. How about instead of having us pay 20 fucking writers and a lot of them aren't going to be doing shit. We pay for actual writers that are going to be doing shit and we pay them a lot, a lot of money. It was like, what, 11,000 a week. And I think the deal was for 20 weeks and the the WGA were like, no, fuck that's not good enough. And a lot of writers were pissed about this. They're like, dude, what the fuck? That was good. But they they want to squeeze them out for more. So now there's some more shit happening at the WGA. And there's some showrunners who are getting really fucking pissed off at the WGA. They're like, you guys fucking suck at negotiating. And let's just say that uh, apparently someone who who knows all the bullshit of what's going on in there says that this shit has led to fights, shouting matches, and screaming hangups. Holy shit. That shit, they're fucking eating each other alive, man. I mean, th- this shit started out strong, and they, they, they skipped on a deal. Who knows how many more fucking deals they skipped on, and yeah, it seems like the people who are running the whole bullshit are the ones who want to see the writers go homeless. So... 
yeah, it's it's pretty fucked up. But anyway, remember I told you you should go watch some uh, foreign movies because a lot of the shit that's coming out these days fucking sucks ass. I still stand by that. And, well, a while back, I was just, I was like, you know what? I want to watch something. I'll, I'll see what the fuck I'll watch. So I went to Amazon Prime. And like always, always check out the new shit. But a bad habit I have is, okay, you know what? That looks interesting. I'll put it in my watch list. And I never go to my watch list. Never. When I log back on, I'll just be like, oh, just see what else is new. You know, what's new. And I forget about my fucking watch list. So uh, I I said, fuck it. I'm going to go to my watch list. So going around the watch list, I saw this one movie. The credits started. It started first, but they were rolling like not the not the fucking actual correct way of rolling. It was like okay, this is weird. Then it was subtitled, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Because I was playing Guild Wars at the time, so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna save this for later, and I'll watch something else, something in English that I don't have to you know keep turning to the screen, you know, because I I watch my shit with two monitors, and. <clears throat> I saw Cosmos in my watch list. Cosmos from 2019. It's like, it's a colorful little cover art and whatever. The description was, uh, it was all right. So, you know, I'll check it out. It it didn't have good ratings. I mean, I I think on the Amazon, which is they get it from IMDb, it's got like good ratings. But you can never trust those. Because there's like a bunch of shit B-movies there. And they all have badass ratings too. So, yeah, whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'll check this out. And, well, I was going to eat also. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop fucking playing Guild Wars. And I'm just, I'm just going to watch this movie on my main monitor. I did not expect that movie to go in the direction that it did. I, I, I honestly had no clue what the fuck the movie was about. I just know it's about astronomers who run into something. And... Who knows what it could be? That's what pretty much the synopsis was. I'm like, all right, cool. And the movie started... I don't know, man. I don't want to say it's slow because it's not. I I watched it three times in two days. Because I just couldn't stop appreciating the work that the directors did. Actually, everyone. You know what? Let's talk about that real quick. The movie was made... With four actors, two directors, and a five-man crew. All for $7,000 over a period of, I think, what was it, five years? And uh, it's a UK film. UK independent film. And I know the uh, the, the, the two brothers, they they had some backing. They, They had some people with money. They were saying, you know, we'll back you up. We got this. But the, apparently those people thought about it and they were like, you know what, since you guys have never directed a movie, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sit this out. So they, they lost their backers. They, they they weren't confident in them since they weren't, they've never directed a movie before. And these guys did an amazing job. Everybody did. I think even their mom. Yeah, their mom was doing their hair for the actors. Sadly, their father passed away during the making of the film, and it's dedicated to him, which is, you know, of course, it's it's nice. 
but even the actors were helping out with the sets. A lot of it was filmed in a car, in a garage. And honestly, I, I did not, because I saw like a little making of that they have on YouTube. Yeah, I, I did not expect the movie to go in the direction it did because it was really, it, it caught me by surprise. And yeah, you know what, before, I, I, I want to talk about that, but before I do, I'm just going to get over, I'm just going to go through the credits, man, because it, it's, yeah, I really want to talk about it. So, Cosmos from 2019, UK sci-fi film. The movie was written, produced, edited, and directed by Elliot Weaver and Xander Weaver. And the cinematography. The movie stars Tom England as Mike Webster, Joshua Ford as Harry Knight, and Arjun Singh. Arjun Singh Panam, I hope I'm saying that right. Arjun, Arjun Singh Panam as Roy Kennedy. And Ben Vardy as Dave Bennett. So, um, also the, the music, the score was done by Chris Davy, and the um, was it the themes was done by Chris Duncan and Mark Heath. So, the guy who actually did the score was Chris Davy, and it, this this Chris Davy guy I saw like a, like an interview with him too, and the guy's like a. Uh, I had, dude, I love music so much, but I had no clue this was a genre, but trailer music. Like, that, that, that's actually a thing. Even he didn't know. He Like, the dude's a fucking composer, and he, somebody asked him, like, no, he asked somebody, he's like, what do you do? And the guy's like, I do uh, trailer music. And he's like, that's a thing. So, yeah, trailer music. And, he went, and I've always liked Two Steps from Hell, but I didn't know that was also considered trailer music. Or even um, Full Tilt. Full Tilt's fucking amazing. But yeah, that, that too is trailer music. It's just like epic trailer music. But the, 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 the music in this movie is really good. And after watching it, I, I really had to listen to Full Tilt. Because it also reminded me of... Um, damn, I forgot the name of that Full Tilt fucking song. But speaking of trailer music... Look up Full Tilt. No, no, no. Look up Space Engine Trailer on YouTube. Space Engine Trailer. I think it's maybe like four years old, five years old, maybe three. And it's a trailer someone put up or someone made for a space simulator game called Space Engine, which is made by one developer in Russia. And they used Full Tilt for the music. And he got some beautiful fucking gameplay, and the music just was, it was just perfect, especially when you see the black hole. It's amazing. So, check that out. Space Engine trailer, and the music by Full Tilt. And that's like a fan made trailer or something like that. But, but yeah, the, the budget $7,000 US. That's insane, man. I want to make a fucking movie now. But yeah, I mean, the runtime is 128 minutes. You know, what? it didn't it didn't feel like 128 minutes at all either. I, I it didn't drag. In my opinion, the movie did not drag. And uh, the movie came out on July 14th, 2019, in the UK. 
ended November 7th, 2019 in Los Angeles. So, and you want to know what? It, it was, it was a small crew. So I'll just fucking list them too. So, Elliot and Xander Weaver, they were doing the camera, lighting, sounds, post-production, needed um, mixing and visual effects. Then it was Leslie Weaver, their mother, doing the hair and makeup slash continuity. Then there was Mark Bayless and Natalia Alyukova. Alyukova, I hope I'm saying it right. Doing additional location assistance. That's it. The movie is it's so fucking amazing and I don't know, like I, I didn't think about it, but then when I saw the interview and then saying, well, it was only like a five man crew, I was like, what the fuck? And I instantly started just thinking about the movie again. I'm like, that seems like it, I don't know, maybe it would have needed an entire crew, but would it? It was just dudes sitting in a car talking about space and shit the whole fucking time. Like two hours. That that car is like the car should be in the fucking credits too. But it wasn't, sadly. But overall, man, like th- this movie is somewhat educational. It I mean, who knows, maybe a lot of people know of it, but I didn't know what the water hole was until watching this movie. Uh John John loves space a lot and he didn't even know what the water hole was. I saw I still don't know if John's seen it yet, but I told him to check it out. But yeah, like like what what what's the movie about? Okay. Remember that scene on contact with Jodie Foster, the other uh, Carl Sagan story? It was like based on a book that Carl Sagan wrote. So on contact that scene where Ellie parks with the satellites and she lies down on the hood of the car and she has her radio there and she's just listening. I, I guess I guess she's supposed to be a part of SETI, which is like search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And she hears a signal. She freaks out. And she's like, okay, is this real? Then she jumps in her car. She starts radioing her friend who's at the base, which is maybe, what, half a mile up the road or a mile. She's driving there really fast. Gets into the car. or No, no, gets out of the car. Goes up the stairs. Goes through the hallway. Enters the same room. Her friends are there making sure uh, if this fucking signal she's getting is local or not. They start contacting other bases, maybe other facilities that are probably doing the same thing around the world to see if they're picking it up. And everybody's like, okay, man, this thing's not local. Then the fucking government gets involved. Well, Cosmos is that part that it's from where she's on the hood relaxing to the part where everybody's, you know, talking to each other, trying to see where the fuck the signal's coming from, just without the government. It's that, but stretched out to two hours, and it's done very fucking cool. So, it's three guys who go out to the middle of nowhere, and they're taking their little space equipment, and they're pretty much just going out there to test stuff. 
One's taking a telescope. The other one's taking a um, his computer that's supposed to map out what I, what do you call them? I guess a radio astrologist. What they do and the signal they get back. It's so much data that it takes weeks to months to form a picture. His computer, his laptop. He, I, I guess he made a program, I guess you could say. He made a program that's going to change that and give you a real-time image of what the fuck it's uh, bringing back. And the third guy, is, he's just an engineer. He's a friend of one of them. He's not really a space guy at all. Which was very clever. Because they need a guy who's not a space guy. That way, they can answer your questions. You're like, what the fuck is the water hole? Well, good thing, good thing Joe's here because we're gonna explain it to Joe, to Joe, and you're gonna know. There you go. And he's just an engineer, but he also worked with Henry at a facility, so that's why they're friends, and that's why he's there. Just for shits and giggles, one of the characters sends out a message into space, and apparently, well, something responds. And I don't want to spoil the movie, but yeah. I guess that's what the synopsis is. Uh, the way I can sum it up. And it's these three characters out there. Not just looking at the stars. But also repairing friendships and getting to know each other. And I, I think they did a really good job with that too. Because one of the characters, I was like, this guy's an asshole. He's a piece of shit. Why is he being like this? And you find out, oh, he has his reasons that are actually really good reasons. He actually turned out to be my favorite character. It actually got pretty... You see, this is one of those things that I just can't say much because the best way to show anyone dust from dust till dawn is to just show them the movie. Don't show them any trailers. Don't talk about the movie. Not even... You know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm just. What if someone listening to this has never seen From Dust Till Dawn? Shit, I'm just not gonna say it. Just watch the movie. Don't look up any trailers. Don't look up a synopsis. Just watch the movie. Because a trailer is the biggest spoiler for that movie. Any synopsis you look up on the movie is a big fucking. Just spoiler. Don't look up any details. Just watch it. And that's what I have to say about Cosmos. Do not look up any details. Well, I already told you some details. And that's fine. It's just what happens. It's it's one of the reasons it has a lot of bad reviews. A lot. I'm guessing this is why a lot of people hated it. But watching so many movies, I really loved it. And I appreciated it. And... And I had the biggest fucking smile on my face when the movie was done. I was literally fucking clapping. I, I was I was satisfied, man. And not just because it was a good movie, but because it reminded me of just all the things I've seen in Hollywood. This movie, in my opinion, it's a love letter to everyone who loved movies, man. Who loves movies. I'm pretty sure those directors grew up watching a lot of movies because... You can see just a lot of influences in it. And and I was really happy. 
I, I really looked up reviews afterwards because I was like, okay, okay am, am I the only one who really loves this? Because it, it, it just, it, it just, the directing just fucking changed out of nowhere. It just gets like fucking blown up and in your face. And you're just like, okay, again, I don't want, I, dude, this is, it, it's really fucked up because it's so sensitive. I can't say nothing because it'll be a spoiler. You got to watch the movie. It'll help if you've just seen all types of, well, I don't want to say that and get your hopes up and be like, oh, mix and whatever. But it's, oh, man, I, I had a blast with it. Let's just say that. And to to stop with all the fucking bullshit suspense, I'm just going to start talking about spoilers right now. So if you're planning to watch, if you're planning on watching the movie, I, I say you have to watch it spoiler free. Because... That, that, that's the thing I, I got with this movie. You know, I didn't get that with Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn, the way it was marketed, it, it took away the surprise from everyone. It robbed the surprise from every single person. The only way you're going to enjoy from Dust Till Dawn, or maybe be actually surprised, is if you've never heard of it. So... Do that because even though I didn't get that that surprise with From Dust Till Dawn, I got it with Cosmos. And, and you know what? It, I really love the fucking movie. Um, I'm planning on going to the websites. I think it's Cosmos the movie or Cosmos movie. I need to go to that website and I want to buy a coffee mug, maybe even a t-shirt. I was hoping for a poster, but they, they ain't got no posters. And... I really love this movie, man. I, I really think everybody who loves movies should watch it. The only people who are going to hate it are probably people who have never seen enough movies. Or have not seen enough movies. I, I really recommend this. So, spoiler talk. So, spoilers. Here we go. So, from the very beginning of the movie, it's the music that I was just talking about and praising. It's It's present, like... The music reminds me of Two Steps from Hell, so like, or, or, or Full Tilt, like I was saying, you know, the whole epic trailer music, which is crazy. So, yeah, Chris Davey, trailer music composer, so no wonder, and he did an amazing job. But f from the beginning, I, I, I didn't know what to think. So we get the guys driving at night, they're, they're, they're actually listening to a podcast called Space Gab. It's a... Uh, it's like a, a an astronomy slash conspiracy theory podcast talking in then during this uh, episode the, the the podcast host the guy's talking about an asteroid that that might be coming close to hitting Earth uh, an asteroid named 1998 QE2 and the 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 podcast host he's I don't know he, he spews out some crazy shit. With, I don't know, like, 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 warning levels. So, who knows? It might be conspiracy theory podcast, but... And he's talking about... Yeah, he says there might be something traveling with asteroids to disguise it. So, yeah, we, we get a hint right from the very start of what the fuck's to come. But we get Roy and Harry. They're both in the front seat. And in the back, there's a character named Mike sleeping. At first, I, I did not... At first, when, when, when I first saw this movie, I, I didn't notice... That when when Roy was driving, that Harry when Harry was looking at the map, I didn't notice it at first. But Roy seemed fucking annoyed, and and it's because of this that I at first I thought, well maybe Roy's just there as I don't know he was assigned it to be with them, 
because it really seemed like him and, and Harry just like he seems like that new person who looks like he doesn't want to be there. It, it I didn't think they were friends at first or they've known each other. He just looks so annoyed like he didn't want to be there. So I was like, okay, maybe he's just tagging along or assigned. But no, they have a history. But Harry's trying to be really cool with him. He's trying to make a friendly conversation. And you feel bad for him because Roy's just being an asshole. And this is also where we find out that Harry created a badass telescope that he says it's going to give NASA a run for their money. So, the telescope. (laughs) He gave it a name, but we're not going to get there yet. But he's very proud of the telescope. And he refers to it as a she. And that, that's fucking adorable. But, you know, and also I've always been wanting a telescope to go out to the desert and look at the stars. So I'm looking to do that one day. Go to Arizona and buy a fucking telescope. Look at the stars out in the middle of the desert. Oh, it's going to be fun. You know what? If I were to create one, I sure as fuck would name it. And I would love it as much as he does. So, yeah. But he even says she's special. And in this movie is already preparing us for some sadness ahead, which is fucking funny. Because, you know, in any movie, shit like this happens. You know, look at Eleanor and Gone in 60 Seconds, right? Poor girl. They build her up. Oh, she's this beautiful fucking Mustang. Oh, she's so fucking sleek looking. She's so fast. She roars and then bam, they fucking crush her. Fuck. You know shit's going to happen. So, Roy, right, right, ah. Roy takes a, he look, ah, I can't even fucking talk right now. But now Roy takes a look in a rearview mirror and he sees Mike sleeping and he sees his uh, work ID on a uh, lanyard and the, uh, the ID says Astraeus Space Technologies. Here we clearly see Mike's position at Astraeus. He's a, a junior IT technician. And it's all well fucking detailed too with the fucking ID, date, symbols, face ID, company logo. And it's even got, like, a staff ID number and, like, QR code. I actually tried scanning the QR code. I'm like, they're going to have a QR code on the fucking ID, and it's going to be, like, that blown up on the screen. Uh, I was like, who knows? Maybe they want us to scan the QR code. But no, it didn't work. Nothing happened, you know, but you never fucking know. But anyway, Roy and Mike are obviously meeting for the first time on this trip. And, and Harry tells them, you know, hey, yeah, he's been he's been coming up with some new tech that he's developing, you know, that's what he call it, tech. Now, they don't say software, so I don't know if he built the fucking laptop or the software, but whatever. The way the dialogue was playing out with these characters, we now know that Roy and Harry have a history being colleagues. Like, right after Mike wakes up, that's because Roy questioning about Mike. Okay, we know, okay, cool, so they actually know each other. They have a history. And we also get, the, the now, now we know that Mike is the new guy in the picture. You know, it all seems like an ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend in the car talking about the new girlfriend type of situation. You know, that's just the way it's playing out or the way I felt it was playing out. And after the, watching the whole movie twice, I'm still wondering if that was intentional in like a comedic way. Because at some point you just realize, OK, th- this movie is not taking itself serious at all. So maybe they were fucking with us since the beginning. But who knows? But. Roy asks um, Harry if, if Harry and Mike are friends, and Harry responds with, why? And Roy is just saying, Roy says, just wondering. And Mike replying, is that okay with you? 
And Roy replies with, why wouldn't it be? And Harry finally says, I can think of a few reasons. Dude, this is very ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend fucking dialogue between each other. It's hilarious. Because it's all coming from a co-worker slash colleague point of view. But, but, but me, uh, <laughs> it just might be me overthinking it. But again, the way the director just, the, the way, uh, directors just changed everything up on us. I'm like, who knows? Maybe they were fucking with us from the beginning. Well, this is where the scene ends. And we we continue with the driving. One thing I will say about the movie is that it's it's got some very beautiful shots and camera work. Because after the conversation, we see the car parking under this beautiful night sky above and just this surrounding black silhouettes of trees in the distance out in the forest. And I, I still ask myself, in, in the uh, little behind-the-scenes video I saw, it shows the crew out at night sometimes. But this one scene with Joe, they actually show the scene... And it was actually done with a green screen. I'm like, holy shit. I did not expect the use of green screen at all. And not saying it's a bad thing. Everything just looks so fucking natural, but shit. And seven thousand fucking dollars. Seven thousand fucking dollars, yet we get like three hundred million dollar budget movies, and Indiana Jones still looks like fake plastic ass character riding a fucking horse. I don't know, man. I don't understand. Fuck Disney. But anyway. Roy likes, uh, Roy looks at the dashboard and he sees a red cap with a logo that reads Astronuts, Ast- Astronomy Society. You thought I was going to say MAGA, right? <laughs> but it says Astronuts, Astronomy Society, which you can actually buy from the Cosmos website, which is that's the one I was talking about. So, oh, yeah, you can buy the soundtrack, too. So Harry asks Roy if he's got his hat and if he's going to wear it. Roy just replies with, nah. <laughs> and he gets out of the fucking car. What an asshole. And uh, the car's like a little station wagon looking car. But Harry's left looking sad. And then he looks at the hat. And I feel bad for, for Harry too. Because he's he's such a really nice guy. And he just wants everybody to be cool with each other. Poor Harry. And then, um, yeah, oh yeah, Harry runs his thumb across the cap too. Make it a little extra sadder. But there, there's obviously some history with Roy and this society. Roy is outside looking up at this fucking gorgeous night sky that's done by a green screen. With his amazing fucking trailer music playing. Honestly, I did not think that was special effects. Holy shit. So, yeah, the, the guys start unloading their equipment while Roy sits on his foldable chair drinking his fucking tea. Says he's too busy to help out. He's also complaining how... You know, like when oh, he was complaining about how Mike was sleeping and he did all the driving. Well, Harry's helping out, but that's because he's also unloading his stuff. I think most of the stuff is Harry's because of a telescope takes up a lot of space. But that's where we're introduced to Annabelle. That's the name of his homemade telescope. The one that he's so fucking proud of. And Roy's asking if his wife knows about it, which is funny. He's like, does your wife know about this? And it turns out um, he's actually married. He says he loves it as much as his wife. That's adorable. He says it's beautiful, slender, and makes life worth living. And then Roy's like, oh yeah? It's also emotionless, and it weighs a ton. (laughs) This dude is fucking pissed. 
at this time, I didn't hate him. I was just like, dude, this guy needs to chill the fuck out. But yeah, whatever. But yeah, at this point, it's obvious that Roy just doesn't like Mike. And he's just giving shit to Harry for being his friend. Or actually co-worker. Because I don't even think Harry and Mike know each other that well. But to speed things up, we we find out a lot of shit. We, We find out that Roy is there. Because he also knows a lot of shit. Um, well, he's an engineer and he knows a lot of shit about well, what the fuck what they're going to be needing. Which is running power throughout the car and powering up the telescope, the laptop, the satellites. They have a lot of equipment. And Roy's, uh, Roy's there to make it all work and make sure it goes smooth. Well, Mike is there with this epic telescope. And Dad's going to be feeding over to... No, Harry with his epic telescope, and that's going to be feeding over to Mike's laptop. And the goal is not just for Harry to test out his t- uh, homemade telescope, but also Mike to test out this technology for, again, I don't know what they're called, radio astronomists, where they do like radio radio astrology or astronomy. And it's like what Ellie did on uh, Contact. That that's what we know about that. Because okay, cool. Everybody's here. Everybody has a purpose to be here. Mike and Harry are space nerds. Joe, he just builds things. He he makes sure things work. So he doesn't know shit about space really. He doesn't know a lot. Like I said, it's it's his per- it, it, he his the reason the the real reason for Joe being there is to explain to us certain things of what they're going to be talking about without them having a come up with a, with a reason as to why they have to explain it to us. That way we won't have to fucking pause the movie and go to Wikipedia and make it convenient. But yeah, they, they test out their, their, their equipment. They get an image back and they see something. They, they, they see something on the screen and they're like, you know what? That's just, you know, Joe goes out to the sky and he looks up and he sees nothing. And they did it with infrared. And this infrared image shows shows that there's something in the sky. Joe looks up, sees nothing. And they all conclude with the, you know, yeah, it's just, it's a glitch, whatever. Well, it's still in the works. This is where the movie gets interesting. I mean, it's it, it, was been, it was interesting the whole fucking time for me. But we find out that Joe used to work at Astraeus Space Technologies. And he was building a satellite for them. Well... It took him, what, almost, he dedicated like five years of his life, or like three years, to make this telescope. Or not not a telescope, but a satellite. And Harry was on the project working with him, but he was, uh, he was assigned to it from somebody else. So he wasn't actually a part of Astraeus. He was just there as a, uh, I wouldn't say consultant, but you know, he was working with him, overseeing the project, making sure everything went well. Well, right before the satellite gets uh, finished... The company gets bought up by another company, and they replace the entire crew that was working on it and get their own people to finish it. So Joe got fired, and Joe was the lead um, person working in this. He was in charge of the whole thing. So he got fired, and he didn't even get invited to the launch of the satellite. And that's why he's so angry with Mike being an employee of Astraeus. And that's why he's mad that his really good friend Harry is also hanging out with him. And we find we find this out because Harry is explaining this to Mike. 
He's explaining it to him as to why Joe is so angry. And while Joe's outside, he's looking up at the sky. And before he left, he was uh, looking at the uh, at his screen to see when a, uh, a satellite was going to pass by. It turns out that's the satellite he made. And we get this awesome shot of him, of him standing there. It's like a nice wide shot. And then you see the night sky and the trees in the distance, all dark. And you see this satellite passing by with Joe looking up at it. And that was really sad because technically that's his baby right there. He created that satellite. He's proud of it. But he was fired and removed from the project and he didn't even get to see it launched. And that's that's where it really got me, man. I was like, that's fucking sad. But yeah. Joe's a good guy, but he has his reasons, and they're good reasons. So, they start talking about the water hole. Well, well, actually, like I remember, there's a part where they were. Mike was scanning through a bunch of frequencies, and he hears something, you know, like like a rhythm, and it's fast, like a fast pulsing sound, not slow, like on contact, but he hears the sound, and he writes down the frequency on on a paper, and he continues scanning through all this shit, right? And he just keeps going through frequencies. That that's a big thing right there, you know, because like on contact, Ellie hears it. She knows it's something different, and when she's telling her friends about her, or, you know, her colleagues, they're all, they're all being skeptical. But here, it kind of drags out because I mean, you you can't just hear something in space and you're like, oh shit, it's it's coming from somewhere else. It's it's intelligent life. No, I imagine they get a lot of shit like this. I imagine they hear a bunch of shit and do. I wonder how many people have called them up and be like, hey, dude, I fucking caught something, dude. I caught something. It's just like, yeah, it's probably some bullshit. And you know how many fucking radio, just radio signals are going across our planet every fucking day throughout our fucking orbit? Man, it's probably going to be a lot. But, but oh, yeah, oh, yeah. This is where we also find out that Mike's tech is also a prototype. And he has, like, by the end of that month, to prove that it works, so they're going to cut his funding. So, since 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 Joe, no, no, not Joe. Damn, was I saying Joe the whole time? <laughs> I don't know why I was saying Joe. Roy. But since Roy's an engineer, he, he asked, like, hey, man, would you, um, would you want to run this fucking tech? You know, look at it. See if you can tell me anything, because, you know, he's an engineer. See if he can, you know, has any ideas. But, and this is also where... Where Mike is also getting to know Harry because they also don't know each other well. But I remember um, before that happened, Mike is trying to be cool with Roy and he asked him for a cup of tea. And Roy's like, that was my last one, mate. And he just takes off. He exits the car. That's where we find out the whole thing of what happened with Roy. Why he's so angry at him. And yeah, it's... Man, that was just the hardest movie. Dude, dude both times, I just couldn't help... I couldn't help it, man. Somebody was fucking cutting onions in the room. I fucking swear. But we we eventually get to where Mike just says, fuck it, dude. I just need to talk to this guy and be friendly with him, even if he's a fucking dick to me. So he tells he tells Roy, hey, you know, he, he listens to space, just like Ellie on contact, radio astronomy. And he goes on to explain that he listens to distant objects in space through radio frequencies using radio telescopes and he's listening to anything that emits radio waves so he shows him some photos of mars the moon galaxy saying that if we could see radio waves that's what we see and, he, and it, it, from you know the photos 
And well, the problem is that it takes so long to build a picture. After explaining the whole fucking thing, he demonstrates how his technology works in real time. And it's a real time render of the sky. That's where we get the whole thing. Oh, shit, Mike. There's something that's not supposed to be there. It's a glitch. My tech sucks. He feels fucking hopeless. And Harry gives him some words of encouragement. And and that's what I liked about Harry. He's he's a really just he's a really nice guy. He doesn't seem selfish at all. And he just wants the best for everyone. We see Mike in the car. He sees the frequency that he wrote down earlier. So he puts on his headphones and he tunes into it. And all he all he gets is silence. They all fall asleep. Or he does. I I don't know exactly where Harry and Roy went. No, 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 no. Mike gives the headphones to Harry, but Harry doesn't hear anything. So Mike tells him uh, the frequency is 1420, and that's the water hole. So according to Wikipedia, because I even looked it up myself, I was like, is that a fucking real thing? It turns out it is. 1420 is a popular observing frequency used by radio telescopes and radio astronomy. With that being real, Harry Harry tells Mike, well, the water hole's dried up. Everybody's looking at it. Everybody's listening. And somebody else would have heard it. And <clears throat> Harry's like, nah, I bet it was like a pulsar or whatever. But Mike doesn't, you know, he, he disagrees with his opinion. But Harry's like, dude, everyone listens to that frequency. So if he heard it, someone else must have heard it. Well, Harry gets out to go uh, recalibrate his telescope. So... Mike attempts to wake up Roy, but he's not successful in doing so. So, Mike gets the idea to plug in a microphone and record a message and send it out into space. And and he records a welcome message to whoever may be listening in space. He even gives out his full name. He says he said the message is a uh, is a routine response to an acquired signal. Because he believes it was a signal, what he heard. And he's also giving the time of the uh, the recording. You know, letting whoever sent that signal know that, that he's listening. So, he proceeds to send it out into space. What's funny is that Roy heard all of this when he was asleep. You know, because Mike thought he was asleep. But no, he, he heard all of it. And Roy, Roy's like, he, in, a, in a fucking very just asshole way, he's like, the aliens speak English? <laughs> What a dick. But um we we get an explanation as to what Astronuts is. So Harry was on a research team at NSAT. That's the company that bought out Astraeus. That that's the, 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 the guys that fired Roy, NSAT. So it turns out that Roy, Harry, and some other guys from that company had this little group called Space Nuts. And well, they they were just dudes who just loved the stars, and it was their own little. I guess you can say their little club. Actually, no, it was one other person. So it was three people: it was Roy, Harry, and one other person that made up this group. And they said that they would get together and you know to, just to look up at the sky. And the whole point of this was also to look at this satellite that they built go across the sky. The satellite that they built together. You know, later in the night when all the guys are in the car. Roy passes Mike a cup of tea, telling him it's his last one. After he told him, you know, oh, that was my last one. So Roy's actually turning out to be a cool guy. He's, he's, you know, he chilled the fuck out. But Mike gets back to listening to frequencies. And while listening, 
There's this song I've never heard before that he runs into all these tuning in, you know, frequencies. And it's called Uncle Rat. It was actually a pretty cool fucking song. And this, this was actually a cool moment. And then they all start singing it. They all just start singing it out loud in the car. And it's just, it's just like a little fun moment. You see, and the whole time, this movie just seems like, you know, like a cool, I don't know, I don't know what you say, drama, maybe? And it starts to get, you know, I guess kind of fun. They're, they're lightening up. They're starting to like each other. But then this is the part where later Mike, okay, now, yeah, yeah, Mike's alone in the car now. Because I don't know where the fuck Harry and uh, Roy went. But radio noises wake up. And he hears noises coming from his headphones. So when he puts on his headphones, he hears a message. His message. But the voice sounds fucking altered. It sounds all crazy and deep and scary. It sounds fucking creepy. It, his signal actually got sent back. Or is it be re- or is it being repeated by something else? So he hit some buttons on his laptop, and now the message says, Greetings, Mike Webster. We are listening. We are here. Dude, I freaked out when that part fucking happened. That was like, holy shit. So Harry and Roy come back inside. And Mike tells him, hey, dude, he found something. He unplugs the headphones, and they can hear it. And Roy asks him, hey, isn't that the fucking message you sent? And Mike's, Mike's like, it's coming back. It says it's a return. And Harry tells Mike to record it. So after going over possibilities of system failures, glitches, Roy figures out that the message is not a bounce like Mike believes it to be. There is nothing at that range to bounce off of. So Roy asks, how can it, how can it be a bounce if it's now looping more times than the original cycle he transmitted? And Mike confirms to Harry that he is recording it. So Harry says that, well, they need confirmation. And Mike asks to call it in while he checks to see if there's uh, any chatter over at SETI, which is the uh, search for extra ter- um, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. So Mike calls a homie, this guy named Davey at the uh, British Space Observatory. And Dave checks out, not Davey, but Dave, yeah. Dave checks out, but realizes that it's it's the water hole. That's where he's telling him to check. Something that they're already listening to. Dave says they hear nothing and suggests Mike's gear is faulty. So Mike shows Mike shows Roy that there is a signal clearly coming from that frequency. Tunes away and back, and the signal's still there. Like he's changing frequencies, and when he comes back, the signal's still there. So Mike tells Roy that he wants to stay with us. You know, not not to put it away, not just to put off the idea that they found something. He believes there is intelligent life sending the message back. And he doesn't care about the he doesn't care about the possibility of being wrong. So Roy is fully on board and asks, "What what the fuck is their next move?" So Harry says, "They're gonna need all the power they can get." So this is where Roy comes in, where we see his superpower, I guess. So. This is also where the movie also takes a crazy turn. Just a bit. The whole time we had sad stories, negativity between them, soft melodic music. But now, we're getting like an exciting loud score. It's showing us there's a lot to lose here. Shit shit just got real. And it's all for fucking science, dude. So, Mike and Harry are now running with the long cable set up some handheld antennas 
the goal is to have three antennas working together to boost the signal. It's, it's like these little satellites. Well, they have like a little tiny satellite on top of the car. And the third one, yeah, on top of the car. And, and Harry and Roy split up, going east and west. While they are moving away from each other, Mike is listening to the radio, waiting with the walkie-talkie to tell them when to stop moving. And and there's a bit of a jump scare. With some loud nature things screaming. Like, I guess this part is... I was thinking, is there something in the fucking woods now? Is this the thing that's talking to them? Is this like some fucking chupacabra like talking back to them? Like, no, dude. Harry's all fucking terrified. He's fucking scared. And it gets even worse for, for Harry. Because he tries to radio Roy, but he's getting no response. He's just fucking static. This movie just got all fucking... <laughs> this movie's got fucking everything, dude. It turned into fucking horror for just like a little bit. But, uh... Yeah, just just a tiny bit. But hey, being alone in the woods is something I would never want to do. Fuck that. So I I I I'm I'm on board with Harry on that. But Mike gets a strong signal and he tells Harry to stop. And he tells Roy to take, you know, cuz Harry's not able to hear him. So he tells him to stop and he tells Roy to backtrack a bit just to fine tune the satellites. So they finally get a clear signal. And while this is happening, there's like intense music, like something you would hear in like a Tom Clancy movie or even like a fucking Jerry Bruckheimer or Michael Bay film. So Mike, Mike's equipment starts going fucking nuts, dude. And it all just shuts down. The signal is now coming through the walkie talkie and just out of fucking nowhere. Bam, a fucking jump scare with Harry popping out in the fucking window. And yeah, that scared the shit out of me at first because I was like, this movie turning into a fucking horror? I, I I don't know what the fuck this movie's about now, shit. But Roy and Harry, you know, they, they get back inside the car. Roy fixes the power issue. They get power back. But now the signal's lost along with fucking everything that was on the drive. Everything is gone. And Mike is feeling fucking hopeless, dude. He goes outside to be alone. He just looks fucking sad because he thought he had something and he lost it. Of all characters, Roy goes out to talk to him. I was like, oh shit. Roy's being the, uh, he's being a good guy. And he tells him that, hey man, there's, there's two types of scientists. The ones who look to the stars for answers. And those that look to Earth for answers. And Roy says he's an engineer. He doesn't hunt, or he doesn't hunt out the science. He puts it together to make it work. To which... He then says that if it wasn't for people like Mike, not afraid to push boundaries, everyone on Earth would stand still. Roy thinks that signals and shit like that are all science fiction. But if they're but if they're the only ones receiving this signal, then it's up to it's up to them to make sure that the world hears it. And Roy also lets Mike know that he he will help him however he can. So he he's telling him, man, I, I'm I'm with this. I, I'm I'm on this with you the whole way. Well, Mike apologizes for what Astraeus did to Roy. And he tells him that he was there for the launch, but he had just joined at the time and he had no clue what the project was. And he tells him how incredible the launch was. That he was willing, or not willing, that he was, like, I guess willing? Like, he was willing the satellite to go. I think that's what he says. Like he, yeah, and that he was willing the satellite to go, and and he says that she punched a hole in the sky, and he says Roy should be so proud of what he achieved. You know, just just because he wasn't there doesn't change anything. The satellite is his, 
Man, more fucking sadness. Shit, dude. Ah, whatever. But yeah, but no. M- Mike reveals to Roy that Harry was also fired from Astraeus. Something Roy had no knowledge of. Mike got fired because he made a big deal out of Joe. Damn it, keep calling him Joe out of Roy getting fired. Dude, this is just fucking crazy. So, he now knows the truth. Everybody now knows the truth. Well, actually, sort of. There's still one more truth hidden. But yeah, um, Mike... Mike reveals to Roy that, yeah, hey, Harry was fired from Asterius also. And Roy had no knowledge of this. Fired over, I guess you can say, rattling the cages because they fired Roy. So Roy now, well, he, he thanks Mike and he walks away. And uh, he actually offers, uh, he offers Roy a mint, which Roy rejected earlier, but he gladly accepts here. Then he thanks him before they walk or before he walks away. Man, that was another sad scene, man. Again, the music was fucking great. But Roy goes to find Harry while Mike is on the phone trying to get a hold of Dave again. You know, the guy at the fucking, um, the, the, um, I guess the uh, the obser- observatory where they're listening to the fucking water hole. So Harry's working on his telescope and Roy asks why Harry didn't tell him about Asterius about getting fired. You know, on top of what Roy was already going through, Harry did not want Roy to feel any guilt over him losing his job as well. But it turns out he wasn't fired. He quit. He quit over how they treated Roy and refused to work for a company that doesn't value its people. So Roy now knowing this, he he feels guilty for how he's been treating Harry like shit the whole night. But Harry tells him, like, hey, it's all in the past, dude. It's the present that matters, what they are doing together. Man, I swear, dude, Harry's just such a good guy, man. He's so fucking cool. But, yeah, Ray hands... <laughs> oh, man. This is where shit starts getting fucking wacky. But Ray hands Harry his fucking astronaut's cap, and he puts it on. It, it Holy shit, dude. It's like a fucking Avengers Assembled scene, almost. But, um, yeah, Ray says that that Goodman... That's the name of the satellite also, yeah, Goodman. That he was a part of the team, but he lost that. He lost the satellite. Now he realizes he's always been a part of the team, the astronauts. And they hug it out. Oh, such such a good fucking scene, man. Such a good moment. But now with the three grouped back together and ready to work, Mike tells the other two that he's on the phone with Dave and they've got some telemetry dropout from, from a few satellites. Goodman is one of them. Goodman is going to be passing by again, so Harry has to ready his telescope again. So, this is the part of the movie where I was like, okay, the actors and directors are now just having fun, and the film is not taking itself seriously. This is where it starts. Right when Mike gets off the phone with Dave, Roy is standing behind him, right in front of the car with the lights on, and Mike's got his back to him. He was just on the phone. And Roy, ca- Roy calls out to Mike. When Mike turns to him, we see a shot of Roy standing in front of the car with the lights on. So he's just all fucking like a hero shot with all the light. And the camera is moving in slowly with Roy holding his arm out with the fucking extra astronauts cap. Offering it to Mike. Where the fuck did he get this other cap from? Oh. I don't I don't fucking know. I mean I know it's it's his car. 
Maybe there was another one. Maybe it belongs to that third teammate that they used to have, that third Avenger. But you know, it, it was never mentioned that there was an extra cap in the car also. Unless I missed it, but it was never mentioned. I watched it three times. I never heard anything or seeing that there was two caps in a car. But there's an extra one. But as the camera's moving in on Roy, we hear this epic fucking score. Like you would, you would hear again in like a Michael Bay film or some shit. And Roy is literally posing. He's fucking posing. And as the camera's zooming in, like, like slowly zooming in with him doing his fucking pose. You see fucking lens flare. Like, dude, it's all fucking there. Even, like, the loud boom is there. Like, Mike... Because, like, we now see Mike and his eyes move down to look at the cap. And now we get an up-close shot of Roy, like, like with with this fucking, like, smile on his face. Not, like, a huge smile, but, like, this, like, yeah, we're going to kick some ass smile. And he's handing this fucking... It's like he's handing his fucking Avengers members card to him like you made the team or some shit. Like, this is how they should have made Rudy. Like, call him up. And Rudy looks to the coach. And you see the coach standing there holding a fucking football helmet out to Rudy. Like, dude, that would have been fucking epic. With the lights behind him, too. Shit, fuck it. I know it was, the game was during the day, but fuck it, dude. Make it better. No, I mean, I, I fucking love Rudy. It's a great movie, but... But now we see like an up shot, um, uh, an up close shot of the the cap. It's held out to Mike. Mike's coming into the shot, grabs the cap, and there's that one move where like the hero puts on the cap, where they're looking down, and one hand's holding the back of the cap, and the other one's holding like the front, and then they lift their head as they fit the cap on, and then like the fucking cherry on top, when Mike has the Astro Nuts cap, like, fully installed, I guess you can say. And yes, installed, because the scenes are are equipped. Yeah, because it's just like, he he got handed, like, some fucking power armor or some shit. But he smiles. And right when he smiles, you hear, like, a boom in the fucking score. (laughs) What the fuck's going on? And, And Roy's like, now we're talking. Dude, this movie is already, in my opinion, it's just it's starting to get fucking wacky. And and like the next thing is, it's like it's like a shot of both of them standing in front of the car with the light shining. But they're not just standing; they're they're standing with like their legs slightly parted, as if they're ready for like a fucking fight or some shit. Like this is definitely one of like my new favorite fucking movies, dude. I swear. They took a story about some fucking space nerds and somehow turned cheesy moments into fucking hero shots. And this is all like fucking well well orchestrated too, man. Like the fucking directing, acting, music, everything. And, and this is just the fucking beginning, dude. Because now we see Harry, we, we see his watch. And he tells him they've got one minute, you know, for, for the satellite to pass by. And they're tracking it. Well, the satellite disappears, and then it reappears. So Roy asks Mike about his about his sky map, you know the uh, the technology. 
Since they lost everything earlier, Mike runs it again. And again, the object that they thought was a glitch is there again. And Roy brings up this crazy-ass fucking idea of what if it's not a glitch? What if it's something that's there but is not supposed to be there? This is why the satellites are disappearing. Because they are passing behind this object, whatever it is. In Harry's scope, being equipped with infrared, they take another look with it. And they see a round object blocking the stars. So they zoom out. And all this is, it's accompanied by like crazy ass intense music too. Very like edge of your seat, edge of your seat type stuff. So Harry is recording all of this on his laptop. And Harry pretty much says that whatever this thing is, it's cloaked. It doesn't show up on the scope unless it's with infrared. And Roy could not see anything when he looked up. So it's like optic camouflage. So he also says it's probably the size of a football field. This thing's fucking huge. So this object is probably the size of a fucking football field. Like, yeah, it, it sounds big. But when you think about it, when you, if you were to put a football field in the night sky, it'd be fucking tiny. Because the night sky is fucking huge. And it would be easy. It would be easy to miss. It'd be easy to miss for anyone looking at the sky. It, it just looks like a fucking shadow. Like a round shadow on the sky. Mike's computer is now beeping. Proving that this real-time imaging tech works. Now with this data, they know that this object is the source of the signal. And that it's sending a binary signal. Since math is a universal language. So they bring up Arecibo. Again, not knowing if this was just some bullshit they made up for the movie, I looked it up. Even though they're going to explain it to Roy. Arecibo is an interstellar radio message carrying basic information about humanity on Earth that was sent to the globular cluster, globular cluster, Messier, or Messier, (laughs) shit, (laughs) yeah, Messier, Messier, one of those, 13, Messier 13 in 1974. So, thanks to Roy being there, they explained all of this to him, so, so the audience won't be fucking clueless. They mention how it was never a serious attempt to make contact, but to demonstrate the telescope's capabilities. They aimed at a star system that's like 25,000 light years away, but it would take 50,000 years for a total reply if we were to get one. Well, not thousand years, but light years. Yeah, 50,000 light years. Roy then brings up another idea. Roy's like, what if it was intercepted? With Mike saying it's a possibility, but now looking more like a probability. Mike, he starts he starts decoding it. Mike brings up all the original messages, like Arecibo, and he he's he's trying to decode the fucking thing that it's sending back. So now decoded, the message is looking just like Arecibo, but with some differences. Decoded, they realize it's not Arecibo, but a response to it. And that whoever sent it is, well, they're of common cosmic origin. And while this is happening, of course, beautiful fucking music. But then a big, a big message appears on the screen. Like out of fucking nowhere, dude. Even the music gets fucking loud. And it says battery low, 10%. If they lose this power, they lose everything. 
since his fucking hard drives are fucking dead due to the power going out earlier, he's got no long-term memory, and his system can only hold memory while it's running. So Roy hands him his hard drive, and he says, put everything in it. But the the transfer is only going to use it more power. It's going to take a long while. If, If they can't get the files across before they lose power, the whole system will die. They'll lose everything. So Roy moves to unplug everything to save on power. The transfer will take 18 minutes, but it's not enough time. And they're in the, they're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And no batteries. So they move quick and start packing up everything, dude. And, and Mike says he'll get the, uh, you know, he can get them to the station for, for, for more batteries. Not Mike, but Roy. Yeah, Roy, Roy says he's, he'll, he'll, he's going to get them to the station for more batteries. So the music gets super intense. Dude, everyone is moving fast to pack up and get moving. Harry and Mike are in a car, and they're they're ready, but there's no keys. Roy has them, and he's out in the fucking woods picking up the other satellites. So Roy gets back, he takes out his keys, and with a fucking up-close shot of him, he he throws them to Harry, but oh no, the car won't fucking start. It's it's so fucking intense. Like this shit's all done on fucking purpose to make you go fucking crazy. And that's why I say this movie doesn't take it so serious because it starts it starts doing all the shit that filmmakers do to make a um a scene more intense. You're like, yeah, this is fucking ridiculous. This would never happen, but it starts fucking happening here. So Roy takes over and works his magic and finally gets the car to start. But the battery is now at eight percent. But wait, there's another fucking problem. Annabelle the telescope doesn't fit. They packed up everything in a rush that they couldn't configure the spacing. So Harry tries to fit the telescope, but no luck. And they tell him to leave it behind. And he doesn't want to. He's fucking sad. And and then we see Harry with his telescope. It's like a sad moment. He's like holding the telescope as if it's like a dying fucking wife or some shit or girlfriend. <laughs> and they're like, dude, just fucking leave it behind. So finally he makes the decision to leave it behind. But but fucking come on, dude. Can they just like come back for it later? Or like the next day? It's not like that fucking poor dinosaur in Jurassic World Dominion or some shit. Like, oh man, that's a oh, poor fucking dinosaur. It's just a CGI dinosaur, but that was so fucking sad. Oh, fuck that movie. But hey, the movie needs this. It, it needs sacrifice. <laughs> It fucking needs sacrifice, so it's Annabelle. And of course, they'll just come back for it, hopefully. But, but let's just not think about that. Only think of the sacrifice. Yeah, for science. So, Harry leaves her behind. And there's 20, 20 minutes, uh, not 20, there's 12 minutes left on the transfer. Harry gets in, Roy floors it, and off they fucking go. But Roy, Roy misses a turn. And he says he knows a shortcut. Davy, or Dave, he call I, I call him Davy because of the the name of the composer. But Dave calls on the phone. He's breaking up, and you can't hear anything. Just just little bits. And Mike's like, you know what? You could hear that he's saying that he was right, that Mike was right, and that they're getting something. But it's poor. But you know, it's a poor phone signal. You really can't hear the full message. Mike. Just says, fuck it, he's going to ask him. Mike asks Dave to get a power unit ready. But 
you don't know if Mike, if, uh, if Dave got the message or not. And he loses the fucking call. It drops. So now there's 11 minutes left. And they're still in the middle of nowhere. And suddenly, they come to a full stop. A closed gate is now blocking their path. They're like, what the fuck? What now? So Harry gets out to open the gate, but it's locked with a chain. So what now? Fucking Roy gets out and grabs these fucking shears. And it's done in like a fucking Sam Raimi way too. Where like he opens the bag, grabs the shears, and it's obviously put in front of the camera. And they opens and closes them to show you that they fucking work. And Harry tells them like they're not meant to fucking... Well, they're not bolt cutters. And Roy's like, yeah, but it's all we've got. And now there's fucking nine minutes left. Roy uses all his strength to make them into bolt cutters. And he cuts the fucking lock. And he opens the gate. And like even that scene, too. We see where he cuts the boat, the bolt. It's up close. We see the fucking lock hitting the floor. Then it's another uh, fucking cut of him pulling the chains out. And then opening the door for the gate. Very Sam Raimi-ish. But now we get like some fucking high-speed fucking driving with some epic music. Epic music. And the phone signals, uh, the phone's got signal again. So he calls Dave and he tells him to get a power unit ready. But oh no. The the drive is full. The, the one Roy gave him, it's fucking full now. So Harry hands over his drive to continue the transfer. Dave tells Mike that they are getting an insane signal and it's off the charts. This is an intense moment of the fucking movie, man. I was li- literally fucking biting my nails. Because you want these nerds to win. You, you fucking want them to win. So, this is where the film lets you know it's really not taking itself serious. Mike's computer is awaiting for a command to proceed. He has to hit Y for yes or N for no. Well... Right when he's about to, Roy, ta- Roy takes a sharp turn on the road, and then Mike's fingers start pressing all these fucking random keys across the fucking keyboard, and like the camera's all zoomed in too, <laughs> to show you that he's hitting all the fucking wrong buttons, just to make you more fucking nervous. Well, it, 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 it's it's fucking hilarious. It was totally meant to make the viewers nervous, but he finally hits Y. The car's steady, but wait. There's only 4% battery left. And 5 minutes left of the transfer. What the fuck? Roy is rushing by other cars, dude. We even get an inside shot of another car and the driver waving his hand like, What the fuck's wrong with this guy? But oh no. There's a fucking red light. And there's like a shitload of traffic going by. And Roy says, fuck it, and he floors it, and he just runs it, and, you know, like, avoiding just by a fucking hair, a fucking wreck. There's three minutes left. Mike's lost all hope, dude. He just sits back. The music's getting more intense and fucking dramatic and loud. Harry looks back at Mike with the lights from outside, because it's nighttime, so you see these street lights just zooming by, and lights coming from other cars behind him and all the fucking around him. With this crazy ass lens flare. And these beautiful colors. And there's three minutes left. The transfer of that 79%. The music's getting fucking louder. And Harry is looking at Mike. And Mike's looking so fucking hopeless. And the music drowns out all the sound from the movie. It's just the music. For just a moment. 
but they make it to the station with like it was just like one minute dude one minute and 14 seconds left of battery life the transfer is at 89 percent, and for some fucking reason mike tells him to stop in the middle of the parking lot the middle dude what the fuck like why not closer it's like a fucking it's like those big ass parking lots that fucking super walmarts have dude it's fucking huge. You're like super targets. And he tells them, oh, yeah, park in the middle. Don't park. Don't park where I need to be. Park right in the fucking middle. And I'm going to run for it. Like, what the fuck, dude? And like, but th- there's a reason for this. Of course, because we need this fucking suspense and action and shit. And when Ma- when Mike gets out of the car and starts running, the camera is moving in on the car. Mike's running past the camera, and the camera's moving into Harry, who's looking out from the passenger seat, out through the door, and he go- he shouts, "Run, Mike, run!" <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I swear, dude, they used every fucking thing in the film history that just it's it's meant to make you go, "Oh my god." They're not gonna make it, but in the, in a very obvious way, it's obvious what they were doing. But it, it's hilarious. I love this movie even more because it also reminds me of the whole run, Barry, run on the Flash. Like they use that so many fucking times on the fucking TV series. Oh my god! But the battery life, one percent. Dave comes running out with the power unit. He and Mike now run to the car. 30 seconds. Dave gives Mike jumper cables to hook up to his car. Well, not to his car. It's like the ones you hook up to a car. And that's going to be connected to the unit that is powering the laptop. 15 seconds. Mike is having trouble connecting the last cable. But like... When he's trying to connect it, it looks as if he's struggling, but there should be no struggle. <laughs> he's like, it looks like he's missing on fucking purpose. He finally gets it. He, he connects it. Bam. Two seconds. He connects it at two seconds left. Battery's back to 100%. Harry introduces Dave to Roy. And turns out Dave is the other member of Astronauts. Dave tells him. Well, Dave tells them that tracking stations around the world have identified a craft in low red orbit, hiding in the infrared spectrum. Transfer is now at 100%. Mike gives Dave all the details along with the drives. Dave tells the guys that they were the first ones to make first contact. They were the first ones to identify the craft. Way before anyone else. So. Now we all see. Is the giant satellites. At this facility moving. Aligning towards the object. All broadcasting stations are replying to the object. The message. Welcome to earth. Now we see this awesome shot. Of the night sky. With the satellites aligning. Then this fucking hero shot of all four standing next to the car with the lights. 
with those all this fucking J.J. Abrams lens flare. Mike moves forward towards the satellites. Suddenly, a bright light in the sky appears with a loud boom in the distance. And they have revealed themselves. They came out of cloak. And I swear the special effects look amazing for this being an independent film. They look so good. Uh, I, I tell you, man, it looks better than what the fuck Disney's done. Fuck Disney. But the music goes from intense to a nice, soft, melodic mood. And the guys just stand there next to each other, looking up at the sky. And Harry says, I never thought no one ever thought they'd see this. And then he says that the world's going to wake up in a few in a few hours' time, and it's never going to be the same. And with the music now calm, and like this uplifting and majestic and loud drums fucking come in. And the movie ends with the four looking up at the sky, followed by the title going across uh, the screen. It says Cosmos. I, I fucking love it, dude. I love this movie. It's what I've always wanted ever since I saw Contact. Like back when it was released on VHS because I didn't get to see it in theaters. But this is what I've been wanting. It's got drama, bits of comedy, warm-hearted moments, act, you know, fucking action. It's all really about friendship. I, I'm I'm going to buy this movie. I hope there's a 4K release in the future. I can only hope for a fucking steelbook, but you know that's not going to happen. But it, it's such a great movie. Nothing looked cheap. It all looked amazing. Better than what Disney did with fucking $300 million. And this movie costed them, what, 7000 US dollars. Well, equivalent to 7000 US dollars. None of it looked like a made-for-TV movie either. It looked like a big theatrical release. So, dude, fucking amazing work, man. Just, again, I, I couldn't get over it how amazing the movie was. Especially finding out all the details later on. You know, the, the details of the size of the crew and how long it took them to make it. None of the actors got paid. No one got paid. They all did this because they they believed in it, man. They They had fun doing it. They made new friendships. Man... You know, I'm going to watch the fucking movie again tonight. My my best friend hasn't seen it, so another good another good reason to watch it, right? So Cosmos. I recommend it. And it's definitely one of those it's on some top list of mine. I love it. And Shit, if I had to rate it, it's an easy 5 out of 5. It starts off as something and then turns into this crazy... What would you say? Obnoxious fucking film? Just what Do I do I mean to say obnoxious? Just because it just... I don't want to say it got annoying. But they overdid it with the... Um, the just the action... The suspense of things. It's like I said. They, they had to make a two hour movie. 
of space nerds exciting. And they did it. It reminds me of Malignant. Malignant was such a great horror movie because it didn't take itself serious. There was just so many things in that fucking movie that I'm like, okay, this makes no sense. Why does the house look so small on the outside, but when they're inside, it looks so fucking huge? And Malignant's a movie that didn't take itself serious. And James, I saw an interview with James Wan where he intended to make the movie like this. It's fucking silly. And that's the thing about Cosmos. It's got such a good story. It's got a good message. But it's got some silliness to it that just comes out of fucking nowhere. Like those fucking hero shots. Or the insane fucking driving scene. Everything's just so fucking nerve-wracking. Man. I would like to talk to those directors and just be like, it's obvious this was intentional. But I want to know, what movies did you guys grow up watching? And I I hope they can make... Oh, I hope they're making another movie. That'd be fucking great. I'd love to see what else they do, man. But yeah, Cosmos 2019. I love it, definitely. Totally gonna watch it again. But yeah, that that's it for today, man. And, um, I think next week I'm going to talk about Pope's Exorcist. Because that's another movie where I'm like, uh, okay. Because, you know, I said it before. I got to watch all the fucking Demon Possession movies. The Exorcist started that. I love The Exorcist. So, yeah, next week, Pope's Exorcist. As for today... Cosmos 2019, Amazon Prime. Go check it out, man. Seriously, check it out. Peace.